0: know about you and I whether you're joining us online or right here in the room I know that we do not know how to rest as a society as a culture as a nation we struggle to figure out what it means to rest we don't get it right And what happens so often, we realize other countries get it right. Our country continues to get it wrong. We push work and we push hustle and we push do and on and on and on. And rest is essential to our souls. But as a society, even when we take a break, we use it as a way to catch up on our laundry. We use it as a way to get the yard work done. Even when we go on vacation, it's work. We went to Disney this past couple of months And it was work. It was work at a different location. It was work in a a considerably more fun environment. We rest by doing more. We rest by thinking more, by dreaming more. We rest by always doing. And we've we've been labeled the most tired generation of all time. Which is ironic to me because we have technology that is uh, given to us to save us uh, on our time. I was thinking today, the last time I had to go to the library to research something and how much time that took to look through files and microfiche. And we don't do that anymore. We have the world's information at our fingertips. Travel uh, is considerably faster. Getting access to water is immediate. Uh, Things like uh, schooling and and laborious tasks have been uh, considerably quicker. In fact, everything that has been created is now faster than it was when it was created. So where did we do, what do we do with all of the time that we saved? I mean, we have a phone that does most of our work, our tasks, everything. It's not a complicated. We're not hunting and gathering for food or water. So where did all of our time go as human beings? See, I feel like what we do a lot of times is we save all of this time, but then all of a sudden we give it to something else and we don't even know what we gave it to. We get all of this time back from ordering online or having our groceries sent to us or whatever it is and all of a sudden we look up and we realize we don't have spare time. We've given it over to something else and we still feel rushed and we still feel like we're in a hurry and we still feel like we don't accomplish everything that we want to accomplish at the end of a day. We look up and we wonder what happened with all of our time. I've had several people in the past month tell me that they are busier now that they're retired than they were when they were working. And the reality is, we're a generation that is consistently looking for more to do, and we're constantly complaining about all that we're doing, and we keep doing more, and we keep feeling like there's not enough time. And I'm constantly saying, I don't have enough time. But just because I say I don't have enough time does not mean that I actually don't have enough time. See, I don't think we're in a depletion of time. I think we're in an overload of everything else. And other countries understand this, and they've built in, you know, siestas, and they've built in days off, and they've given people mental health breaks. And they get this right, but the United States specifically continues to get this wrong as we keep pushing for more and more and more. And what we've realized is as a nation, we've become more stressed out. As a nation we become more anxious, as a nation we become more fearful, and there's a direct correlation between the amount of of work and the amount of expectation that's placed on us and the amount of medications that are being given out in our nation specifically, and it's alarming and it's disturbing, and it's not how we were created to live. Statistically, more than half of us get less than six hours of sleep at night, and right now, burnout is an actual, legitimate medical diagnosis. So we have reached what we feel like to be the bottom, even though we keep finding a new bottom, and even though science keeps telling us the benefits of rest, science keeps telling us that rest can improve memory and maintain healthy weight and reduce stress and ward off sickness and protect the heart, we as a society at large refuse To listen. But rest doesn't just have practical benefits. Rest has deep spiritual implications as well. And I feel like if we are practically and physically worn out, what does that mean for our souls? What does that mean for our spirit? If we feel like we're tired, how much more exhausted is our soul The reality is rest can actually be a deeply spiritual principle, a practice that we can adhere to and lean into and and observe. But in order for us to observe the spiritual principle of rest, the first thing that we have to do is we have to stop. We have to be willing to stop. Stopping is terribly difficult for for most of us. Because many of us, what we do is we live with this mindset that we'll stop when. I'll stop when I'm retired. I'll stop once this task is over. I'll stop once my bank account reaches this amount. I'll stop once this bill is paid. I'll stop once this is happening. And we keep saying, I'll rest when, and when never happens. And so we keep moving, we're on this hedonic treadmill where we keep doing and we keep trying and we keep feeling the same dissatisfaction and we're getting nowhere. And we keep thinking if I'll just achieve a little bit more then I'll be validated enough and if we're not satisfied right now we'll never be satisfied. But I think underneath all of this unrest is this deep dissatisfaction And we keep feeling like we're going to fill this satisfaction with other things. And so we keep keep playing a role in trying to achieve more and get more and do more and be more. We're never satisfied, so we keep trying harder and harder and harder. And we're exhausting ourselves. And the problem is we're waiting for the monumental and we're missing the immediate. We're waiting for some big thing to come up, whether it's a, a, a bunch of money piled in or a bill to go away or, or something to happen. and We keep waiting for the monumental. We're missing what's right in front of us. We keep waiting for something to change in our lives so that we can be happy and we can rest. And yet the reality is we will never reach that moment because we're missing every single second of our lives. And if we stop chasing the big, happy, monumental moments and we started being grateful for the smallest things in our lives, then we'll start realizing that God is right here in the little and in the, in the minor and we'll start finding our soul satisfied. But for you and I, we just keep waiting and we keep trying and we keep doing and we imagine that whatever we're doing in this moment is the absolute most important thing in our lives. And we don't think we can ever take a break from it. And technology has fueled this. So uh, we got the cell phone and we got the laptop. And with the invention of technology, we've all of a sudden been given this beautiful time-saving gift of being able to work wherever you want. So uh, I love to go to a coffee shop and work. And I can work from my couch and I've had to a lot. And so there's this beautiful opportunity that wherever you go, you can work. The problem is wherever you go, you can work. And those places we used to go to rest are now places that we go to work. The things that we used to do to rest are now opportunities for us to do more. And so we're sitting on our couch, and we're resting, and all of a sudden we get an alert or a phone notification, and all of a sudden we're sucked right back into something that we should be avoiding, and the reality is that all of us are tethered. We've been given a pacifier in the shape of a phone, and we carried it around, and we're holding it, and we're constantly being uh, distracted, and we love it, our brain loves it. Statistically, we get a dopamine hit every time we scroll through Facebook and our brain loves dopamine and so we keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And we may rest. We sit. I'm sitting, so I'm resting. My feet are resting. But our brains never stop. And we keep wanting more information and more information and more information. And we're in information overload. Our brains cannot even process the information that is forced at us. And yet we don't stop. And we think we're resting because we're laying down, but we're laying down next to a device, we're laying down next to the TV, and we're constantly being bombarded with more. And it's not soul-satisfying rest, it's not deep, intrinsic rest, it's just a short break. And even God, creator of the universe, knew how to rest. And in Genesis 2, 2, it says, "In the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, which, by the way, that was creating the world, and he rested on the seventh day from his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. This is a beautiful passage, and, and we've read this many times, but the word rest in this moment is translated as Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. It's translated into Sabbath. God Sabbath from his work. He rested from all that he did. Now, I don't know what you do on a daily basis. I don't know how you feel 6, 8, 10, 12, 15 hours a week. I don't know what you do. But until you've created the solar system, you can't say that you're too busy to rest. Until you've created man- mankind, you can't say you're too busy to rest. That if God rested, we have a responsibility both practically and spiritually, to rest at all. Not only did God rest on the seventh day, but he blessed the day as the day of rest. So from all humanity, from the first human being all the way down to you and me, we rest, we take a Sabbath, we push the pause button on life. And culturally, Christians, we've been observing this Sabbath day uh, on Sunday since the 19th century. Things started to shift, and we said, okay, it's Sunday. Even though it's seventh day, still uh, do this on Saturday, uh, many of the Christian communities do this on Sunday. It's the seventh day of the week. However, Sunday's actually the first day of the week. And I love the idea that if we're going to rest on Sunday, we actually start our week with rest, not end it. We realize Wall Street and, and businesses, they all open on Monday, uh, and so we think that's often the first day of the week, but it's actually today. That we are starting our week in the house of the Lord. We're starting our week connecting with God. And we're starting our week with rest. But growing up, we always Sabbath on Sunday. We wouldn't go anywhere and cause anyone else to work. We wouldn't shop. We wouldn't go places. We would rest. However, my dad was a pastor, so he did not rest. But the rest of us rested. Now, that I'm a pastor and have been for uh, many years, I take a Sabbath more often on Fridays. Sometimes I'll take a Sabbath on Saturday, but I make sure that I'm building in, and I'm not good at this. I want to be honest. I'm really lousy at rest. In fact, most of the things that I encourage you to do, I haven't figured out myself either. So as I'm talking to you, I'm really talking to myself, that I do a really bad job of resting. I might take a break, but I'm always available. I might take a break, but I'm always checking email. I might take a break, but I'm never more than a few feet away from my phone. This morning, I actually switched out watches. This is my granddad's watch. And I took off my Apple Watch because for just a few hours today, I didn't want to get notifications on my wrist. And I keep feeling it tap me. If you have an Apple Watch, you know it taps you. I keep feeling this manual watch that does not tap you tap me because I'm conditioned, like Pavlov's dog, to need notifications. So I'm not good at rest. So what I'm telling you is that I'm trying, I'm working to create boundaries where I'm not near my phone. So if you don't get a text from me immediately or an email from me immediately, just know it's because I'm working on this. And I feel like we all need to work on this, not just for our own practical health, but for our mental health, for our spiritual health. We need to be working on rest. And there are a lot of people who say, okay, well, I'm gonna take Sunday and that's fine. But the reality is we live in a world that works 7 days a week and I'm thankful. Thankful that hospitals don't empty every Sunday from staff. Thankful that Mexican restaurants are still moving. I'm thankful that you know we're able to get gas and so on. I'm thankful the world doesn't stop, but that doesn't mean that you and I can't find spaces and times to stop. So I take Fridays many times. Sometimes I take Saturdays. There's this idea that there's this legalistic observation of the day. And in Matthew 12, we find that Jesus and his disciples, they were stopping and they ate grain in the fields. And the Pharisees called them out on it for breaking the law of the Sabbath. But they weren't concerned that they were stealing wheat. They were concerned that they were making bread on the Sabbath. They were working. But what's interesting, and any time the Pharisees step up and speak, They're speaking more often than not from a legalistic standpoint. They're speaking not from the law, but they're speaking from their observation of the law. And in Matthew 12, Jesus says, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. I love this phrase because as we seek Sabbath in our own lives, we realize that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And if he's Lord of the Sabbath, then we can reason to believe that he is our Sabbath. He is our resting place because he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's squashed the legalistic observation but he's upheld the benefits and the reward of rest. So what we find is that we don't legalistically have to observe the Sabbath but when we do observe it we still find the deep spiritual benefits of it. That rest is intrinsic and encoded into our DNA. God could have created you and I to go 100% all the time and never wearing out. And some of us would love that. But the reality is he's created our bodies to need rest. He's created us to work and rest and work and rest. And there's a rhythm to our life just like there's a rhythm to the world that he's created where it rests and cycles and moves and shifts. You and I, we work and we rest. We work and we rest. And Jesus didn't do away with the legalistic, but he fulfilled it. He fulfilled the law. He didn't do away with the law. And so he declares that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so he is our sense and our source of deep rest, that he's Lord over it. And he invites us into rest in him. And he's completely changed how we rest. It's not aimless rest but we actually find rest in Christ, that that one day a week that we pause and we stop and we set our phones aside and we don't turn TV on for very long or whatever it is for you to carve out time and space, we actually find it's not aimless, but we are seeking to find rest in God. But we have to build in opportunities. Rest will not find you. Rest will not come to you and say, hey, now's a good time, unless you're sick or broken and you can't move and that's not real rest The reality is if you don't make time to rest, you will never have time to rest. And so Sabbath requires surrender. Sabbath requires a surrendering. A surrendering of the reality that you're not in control of your life. Surrendering of the idea that the world can't move forward without you. Surrendering of this uh, feeling of control and, and need to be a part of something. See, I keep my phone near me all the time because in the back of my mind I tell myself, that I might need to be reached in an emergency. And yet I can count on one hand how many times I've actually needed to be reached in an emergency, an actual emergency, in all the years I've had a cell phone. And it does not add up, it does not make sense that I keep telling myself I need that when those things never happen. And so I always project onto uh, things that I want to keep near me, these fears And fear is a motivating factor that prevents me from finding rest. And I think you're the same way, if we're honest. That Sabbath requires a surrendering, a giving up, a giving over to the reality that you're not in control anyway. Being able to be reached 24 hours a day does not mean that you can control the situation 24 hours a day. And so we have to surrender. But if we only stop when we're finished with all of our work, we'll never stop. Because we'll never be finished We need to put things in perspective, and that's exactly what Christ does. That's exactly what God does when he builds in this rhythm of rest, is he puts things in perspective. Because there's always something wanting to steal from you, your attention and your time, something waiting to snap you out of what is meaningful into what is uh, seemingly necessary. And I've been sitting there on the floor playing cards with my kids And get a text message and all of a sudden I think in that moment that text message is more important than playing cards with my kids. And I've never received a text message that's more important. But in my brain I'm convinced and so my focus is shifted then to whatever is going on. And it's not right and it's not fair and it's affecting us as a society mentally as we carry our pacifiers around feeling like we're constantly in control feeling like we need another dopamine hit, feeling like we need more, and in that moment we feel better, but we're not looking at the big picture, the holistic picture, is we weren't designed to live like this. God designed us to stop and to take a break, and what it feels like more often than not is we're running downhill, and we're running, and we're running, and we're running, and we think if we run faster, we're actually gonna be able to keep up, but our souls cannot keep up with the pace of life that we're living, and so we break, and then all of a sudden we get, feel guilty for breaking and then we get back up and try to run again. But the Sabbath is, is to reinforce God's design for all creation. And the beautiful thing about rest is that it's actually built into the Ten Commandments. So we know the Ten Commandments were, were given to us. Just ten simple commandments. And we know a lot of them. Don't, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Like we know some of the big ones but we gloss over this idea that rest is built into the Ten Commandments. It says in Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your sons, your daughters, your males and female slaves, your livestock, your foreigners within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas and everything in them in six days. And then he rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. And he declared it as holy. The concept of the Sabbath, the concept of rest is built right in there. Snuggled right next to don't kill people. Right? We know not to kill people. But there's the rest right next to it. Don't commit adultery. Don't do these things. Don't lie. And then we have the Sabbath. And many of us find not killing people a whole lot easier than not resting. And the reality is, we've been given 10 commandments and God chooses to use rest as one of them. And it says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Not because it's holy, but we observe it to keep it holy. The reality is the day is not holy. How we observe it is what makes it holy. And it says, remember, implying that God knew that we would forget. He knew that mankind at some point in human history would forget, whether we got caught up in hunting and gathering food for the night, or we got caught up in uh, building structures, or we get caught up in whatever we do here today. We, we, he knew we would forget. We would get way too busy and we would stop observing the Sabbath. So he says, remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Set it aside. Mark it on your calendar. This is my Sabbath. And I'm fighting for it i'm fighting to observe it and to keep it and it specifically in verse 10 it says keep it to the lord it's not an aimless observation but we are to keep it to the lord in other words the rest is not aimless rest but it is god-centered rest because the sabbath is more than just a sunday afternoon nap but it's a, a feeling of deep contentment a deep satisfaction That when God rested, he rested because he found contentment with what he had created. So I think the reason so many of us don't rest is because we're not content. We're always buying, we're always looking, we're always trying, we're always getting. We're always trying to fill this void. We're not content. And most of the work we find ourselves doing is being done to try to prove ourselves, to convince others that we are valuable, And we use our calendars to broadcast our social status. If I do more, I am more. If I have more, then I become more. And if people recognize me more, then I'm more valuable. And the reality is we're just wearing ourselves out. But as a society, as a culture, we celebrate the fast. We celebrate those that have sacrificed everything. We celebrate those that don't stop. And what's interesting is a few decades ago, we actually broadcasted how how much leisure time we had We used to broadcast how much downtime. And now when somebody says, I'm going on a vacation, we say, oh, I'm sorry, did you lose your job? Right, I'm going on vacation. Oh, I'm so sorry. Do you not have anything else to do? Like we don't see that as a benefit. We see it as a, well, I guess you'll just, you know, have to hurry up and get back so you can get back to the work. Or we say things like, I wish I had time to take a vacation. As if we needed to fulfill some need in our lives. But in the U.S., we value hard work over rest, But a different way to view rest is to be satisfied with your work. A different way to view the Sabbath is to be content with what you've created with your hands. When we find rest in God, we find contentment with the life that we've been living. And what we have, we no longer have to get more. We no longer have to spend more. We no longer have to work more because we're content with the life that we have right now. And when we rest, we stop trying to manufacture things. We stop trying to get more. But we realize we have everything that we need in Christ. But it's not that we don't work. It's not that we don't have hustle. Rest is not laziness, as many think. Exodus 20, we actually find that you are to labor six days and do your work. See, the other 10 commandment, this is the 11th commandment, if you will, is to work. Rest and work are both Ten Commandments, that we've been commanded to work. Work is another biblical principle that we won't unpack today, but it's very biblical to work. In verse 10 10 of chapter 20, it says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You do not do any work. The sixth day you work, seventh day you Sabbath. Work, rest. Work, rest. That rest is not a call to laziness. It's a call to prioritizing our lives. there's a balance. As a culture, we've tipped the balance. We have people who work too much and never rest, and we have people who rest because they're lazy and they never work, and we're out of balance. And what Christ came to do was bring balance back to our lives and to point us to a God who wants to uh, allow us to work. See, we are the only creation that continues to create. So God created us to create, so we work because we have a lot to create. A lot to imagine, but we cannot create out of depletion. We cannot create out of emptiness. And so what God has done is he's built into the rhythms of the world this reality that we create, and then we rest. But then we're able to create out of an abundance of rest. But in order for us to be better in times when we're working, we have to be better at resting. But stopping so difficult, even now, you're probably sitting here thinking of all the things you have to do today. Even now you're probably thinking what you're going to do next. Well, it's about lunchtime. Got some yard work to do. Got some laundry to catch up. I have things to do. And your mind is thinking because we have this often running to-do list in our heads. Constantly because the second we sit, we go, I should be doing something. I should be doing something. There's something that's not getting done. But Sabbath is a pause. It's a stop where you say, the world's not going to end if I stop. Stop spending money, stop going places, stop doing things and just rest, surrender to the reality that we're not in control and Exodus 20 verse 11 says for the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas and everything in them in six days. This is both a reminder that God is the author and finisher and the creator of the universe but it's also a reminder that God is bigger than everything that's going on. And even though things seem overwhelming and we feel like we can manufacture them or at least be aware of what's going on, God is all in control. And he knew long before he created us that we would need Sabbath. However, merely uh, more than just taking a day off, merely more than just taking a nap, we need to find our contentment in God and draw from that deep well of peace that comes from knowing him. We need to take time to quiet our souls, to quiet the noise and the distractions because noise is just another way that we hide. Noise is just another way that we find ourselves mentally busy. We don't hear the sound of silence so we keep things going all the time. But even in music, we find rest. In fact, the rest in music is what makes it beautiful. The rest in a piece of music is what gives it emotion, It's what gives it the ability to to distinguish itself from just a a monotone sound that in music we have rest so that the next note sounds much more beautiful. In our lives, when we adhere to rest, it makes the next move that we make that much more beautiful. And God invites us into a, a quiet place inside of our souls to rest. And a big part of rest is that the resources of your life are replenished. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says, Come to me. This is Jesus speaking. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourself, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word rest in this passage is translated into refreshment. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest refreshment because our souls are dry and we need refreshment. And being together in community is refreshing as well. Carving out time to come into service or to gather with us online is refreshing. But we've got to pause. We've got to stop and let our souls catch up to the pace of life that we're living. So when Jesus calls us to rest, he's he's calling us to take time away from worry, Take time away from anxiety. Take time away from stress. Take time away from fear. And trust in him. Allow him to to be the one who controls your life. That means physically and mentally. Take a break on a regular basis. Surrender to the illusion that you have any kind of control over your life. And find refreshment and replenishment. But the promise of the Sabbath is not about just finding rest, but it's about finding God. That when we find God, we find rest. And the Hebrew people from an early age, from infancy, they're taught that rest is an island and that you're to go to that island metaphorically and find peace. But they're taught not to just go to the island, but they're taught that they have to defend their island of peace. Meaning you and I can find peace, but we have to know that the second we find peace, there's gonna be a lot of opposing forces that are gonna try to take your peace. There's going to be those emergent text messages and those immediate emails and there's going to be the phone calls that are ultimately going to be spam phone calls but you take them because you think it might be somebody who needs me. And so there's going to be a lot of outside forces that are going to try to take your peace from you but just as the Hebrew kids were taught that you have to defend your island of peace, you have to fight off and ward off those that would want to steal from you but not only do you have to defend it but you have a responsibility to bring everyone to your island of peace that we have an opportunity to proclaim peace and bring people into a peace that can only come from God, that a sanctuary of peace where you pull everyone you know into this idea of rest and you let peace be found. That we don't just find peace, but we bring peace to people. But see, here's what I've noticed as a society is that we tend to to be anxious people because we don't rest. tend to be nervous people. tend to be people who are willing and ready to, to jump at one another Because we're fearful people. And the reason we're so anxious and nervous and fearful is because we haven't found rest ourselves. When we find rest, we're then able to minister and to operate and to love and to show others love out of deep contentment. No longer being fueled by anxiety. No longer being fueled by fear. But we're actually able to find deep peace and contentment. And this is then how we begin to interact with one another. We have to find peace ourselves before we can fight for it. And so this is what I want to do. This is how I want to close. Is I want us to sort of spend the next few minutes in this room finding peace. I want to spend the next few minutes observing and adhering to peace. So before we close, I want us just to stop. I want us just to rest. I want to create a moment where we give God all those things that cause us stress. We give God all those things that cause us anxiety and fear and we acknowledge to God that we're not in control any longer but we're gonna be people who find peace in Him. So here's what I'm inviting you to whether you're watching uh, online or uh, you're right here in the room. I want you just to, to set everything aside. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to take whatever's in your hands and set it beside you. And what I've found to be one of the most powerful ways to find rest is through meditation. We find that over 21 times the passages through scripture say meditate on God and on his word and on his precepts. In other cultures, they've stolen this word from us, but I want us to reclaim this word, meditation. This morning, that's exactly what I want us to do. So we're gonna sit up straight and we're gonna take everything out of our hands and and I want you just to place your hands on your lap, close your eyes. The first thing we're gonna do is just take a really deep breath in your nose. Hold the breath, and I want you just to blow the breath out your mouth. And we're gonna do it again, and as you do that, I want you to shake off the worry. Shake off the stress. Exhale the anxiety. I want you to begin to visualize that thing that invades your rest, that steals from you your peace. For me this morning, it's my phone. For you, it may be something else, but I want you to visualize that thing. And now I want you to picture giving that thing over to God, just handing it over to him. Maybe for you, it's a wallet representing bills or money. Maybe for you, it's your car keys, whatever it is that's causing anxiety or stress. Visualize giving that over to God. where you're at, I just want you to say, Jesus, say, Jesus, you are my resting place. Jesus, you are my island of peace. Jesus, bring me rest. You to hold this peace, this rest, and keep it with you, knowing that the moment you leave this space, there's going to be things and people trying to take this from you, but we're going to hold on to it. So, Father, this morning we repent of the sin of worry. Even though we're grateful for the people in our lives. And the jobs we have to stress and worry over, we recognize that we're not in control. So God, enable us to live unhurried lives, resting and communing with you. Open our eyes to see whatever your spirit is showing us. Open our ears to hear whatever your spirit is saying to us. And quiet our hearts with a song of love. Draw our minds to focus on the things above and not on empty human concerns. May that which blesses us become a blessing to others. So we ask this in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand across the room.